0: We're so glad to have you with us this week. We're actually continuing with week three of our new series, Thank God It's Monday. How many of you are thinking that when you wake up, when your alarm clock goes off on Monday, right? That's what we're all thinking. Thank God it's Monday. Uh, We get to work again. And so, you know, is is it, this is what we're all thinking, uh, but I read this poll, and according to a recent Gallup poll, 85% of people, watch this, hate their job. Isn't that interesting? But what's funny is we'll spend more time at our jobs than we will anywhere else. And so it's it's a little bit alarming, that statistic there, and our hope is that this series really is going to help your perspective shift from dread to purpose when it comes to your job. And so how many of you, just by a show of hands, have ever walked into your job, and maybe you have like uh, a coffee stand with like a whiteboard where there's some announcements, or maybe you get an update through an email, or maybe there's just a general break room where there's stuff that's posted. How many of you have ever walked in and seen something posted that was like passive aggressive, right? How many of you, or how many of you have ever been in a meeting where your boss summons everybody into the room to address an issue, and you're all looking at each other like, They're talking about Bob. Why don't they just tell, why are they telling all of us? Just talk to Bob. And and it's an hour-long meeting for Bob's issue, right? And so uh, there's some kind of aggressive notes or memos or emails, and here's a few that I found that I want to turn your attention to the screen this morning. Just as an illustration, maybe you've walked in and seen something like this. You know, T-Rex has tiny arms, too tiny to change the water bottle when it's empty. What's your excuse? (laughs) Somebody's really worried that the T-Rex is not able to change the water. I think I'd be a little more worried that I have a T-Rex as a co-worker. Um, let's go to the next one. Just take the whole slice next time, okay? Now, like, you got to realize somebody's hands were all over that pizza when they were eating it. And, and so sometimes you might walk into that kind of common workspace and see something like this. Um, let's go to the next one. Jesus is watching you steal Diet Cokes. And I love this response. I would totally do this. John 7, verse 37. Somebody use scripture right here. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I love that. It's the ultimate comeback. Let's go to the next one. If you sprinkle while you tinkle, be a treat and wipe the seat. How many of you have ever found something, just a, a, a note like this? There's always somebody. They're the note person, right? Let's go to the last one. What would Jesus do if there were only this much coffee left in the pot? He would brew more. You know, there's a book in the Bible all about Jesus brewing coffee. It's called Hebrews. (laughs) Come on. It's a little joke. But how many of you know there are people at our jobs that can do some really annoying things? They'll leave really passive aggressive. They'll reply all in the email thread. When, when it's really not even necessary, and we can laugh at this, but really deep down inside, there are people that make us crazy. They drive us crazy, right? And, and today, we're going to look at some of the most common crazy makers in our lives. You say, what's a crazy maker? Well, I think the definition, they make us crazy. And, and how many of you have ever had somebody look at you and say, man, you're crazy, and it's like you wanted to look at them and say, I wasn't crazy until I met you, you're the common denominator here. I wasn't always this way. And, and so this morning, I want to give you some practical advice and some biblical tips on how to address this and how to really treat people the right way and appropriate way. And the question this morning becomes, how do I deal with the crazy makers at my job? And I think some of us came in today going, I'm ready to take notes. I'm going to come in and hear all about how I can go to work. Change my boss's behavior, change my coworkers. How do I deal with their issues? Uh, but the reality is, this is is I actually came to tell you some really kind of bad news today, and that's that it's very possible that your coworkers, that your boss, that the people that you go and and try to get stuff done next to each and every day, they may never ever. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, quite possibly, ever, never change. But you actually can. And, and I think sometimes we get off base when we start to focus more on other people's behavior than we do on our own response to that behavior. And so today, today I want to give you some biblical and very practical steps on your own behavior at work. And even if you're not a Christ follower, even if you're not a Christian in this place, I want to challenge you. Implement these at work this week and tell me if things don't change. Tell me if you don't begin to see some things start to happen. So I want to look at some of the different types of crazy that you might encounter. How many of you know crazy comes in all types of shapes and forms and sizes? And so the first kind of crazy maker I want to talk about today is the demanding crazy maker. These are the little dictators of life. They're bossy and pushy and controlling in every area. They'll use intimidation tactics, and they'll dominate every conversation. I mean, you can't even get a word in. And and they'll turn every conversation into a power struggle. They make unrealistic demands on your life and your time and your schedule, and it drives you crazy. How many of you know a demanding crazy maker? If they're in the room, don't point. Uh, Number two, there's disapproving crazy makers. These are the nitpickers of life. I mean, just picky, picky, picky. They're highly critical. They always want more. It's never good enough. They tend to be pretty negative. are judgmental. They're oftentimes perfectionists. And no matter what you do, it's just never good enough. I mean, you have ever worked with a disapproving crazy maker? Then there are deafening crazy makers. These, they're deafening because they're loud. And, and these, are, these are what I call the megaphones of life, because they're loud, and they like to talk. In fact, if you get on a phone call with them, you can say goodbye to your next hour. You're going to be there for a while. And, and they absolutely love to argue, and, and they talk you into surrender. See, how many of you have ever felt, like, a, tired after a conversation, <laughs> right? There's a they're the deafening crazy makers. Uh, I, I think there are destructive crazy makers. These are the volcanoes. You never know when they're going to erupt. But when they erupt, everybody knows it. They blow up, they explode, and leave scorching hot lava in their trail. And and people actually live in fear around when the next blow up is going to be. And it just creates tension. How many of you have ever been around somebody like that? Then there are discontented crazy makers. These people are very touchy, very sensitive. And, and they they have very thin skin and when they talk they kind of have like a nasally tone have you ever met this person that that why and why is it always mean and they're the chronic complainers of life and and why does everybody always treat me this way and 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 they're never happy how many of you know something good can happen and they'll be the first person to, to speak up and say but it's not this or it's not there's a the, they kind of have kind of a a they lean towards a more pessimistic approach to life. Then there's the demeaning crazy makers. These people are the smart mouths. They can sometimes use their sarcasm in kind of a rude way. and They use assaulting language. They tend to cuss a lot. But more than just cussing and complaining, they're the bubble busters. They find particular joy in deflating other people. and And these are the people that can be petty. And, and they can be a little mean at times. How many of you know, how many of you, like, as I'm going through those, you're categorizing your coworkers all throughout these. You're like, yep, that's Johnny, and that's Bob, and that's Susan. The reality is that we work with people. The only way we're going to get something done and accomplished is by working and partnering with other people. And so I want to give you some biblical steps to follow today to help us to work better with other people. Are you Ready? Number one, it's going to be good for you, refuse to be offended. That's right. No matter what the crazy makers say, no matter what they do, no matter how much they insult me or act or react or their body language, make a decision. I will not be offended. Because remember, when people are rude, what they're really doing is revealing what's inside of them. When somebody is rude or mean or nasty, what they're not doing is revealing what's inside of you. They're revealing what's inside of them. But if we are not careful in our response and in our reaction, we may reveal what's inside of us. And I want you to remember this. One of the reasons we have to make a decision to say, I'm going to refuse to be offended. Because, and how many of you have ever worked multiple jobs? If you've, if you've ever worked in multiple places, multiple, multiple spaces, What you're going to find out is that there's always somebody willing to offend you. You really will never escape this. And so if you make a decision, you're positioning yourself to be healthier in every work environment that you'll ever lean into. Remember this, emotional and spiritual maturity is largely revealed by how you treat those who mistreat and misunderstand you. They get angry at me, I'm going to get angry back at them. They hit me, I'm going to hit them back. They talk about me, I'm gonna talk about their mama. There's there's you can laugh. And and really, I think this can be a measuring stick for us in life if we'll if we'll use it to say, how am I reacting? Because how I react will show us where we are emotionally and spiritually. You know, one of the keys to happiness in life is simply developing a thicker skin. And, and, and so one of the prayers that that I would challenge you to pray is this prayer right here. God, give me a tender heart and a tough, tougher hide. Usually we have the opposite, right? So many times we'll go through life with kind of a hard heart and a thin skin. And so we'll allow people to offend us, and then our heart is hardened towards them as people. But if we will lean into it with a tender heart and a thicker skin, what that will actually allow us to do is to walk out and live out and have empathy for people. And so listen to this. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says this. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. See, I think some of us need to learn to not look at people's behavior. But really to look at the pain in their life. Really to listen and understand their story and where they came from. and And really understand and lean into what causes that behavior. This may sound cliche, but the older I get, man, the more and more I realize this to be true. Hurt people hurt people. Look deeper at their lives. Because the more you understand somebody's background, really the more grace you're willing to show them. You know, maybe they were molested. Maybe they were abused. Maybe they were abandoned. Maybe they were left by their spouse or have had other pain in their life that has caused them to be offensive. And so now they will react because of a a, a scab that every time it gets poked at, they just react. They will just go into defensive mode. Or maybe it's not any of that. Maybe it's just a bad day. Maybe it's just a bad week. Come on, come on. Maybe it's just a bad decade. Can I just tell you the older I get, the more I just go, man, I could use some grace from people around me. You know, I think the same is true of our coworkers. I think they could use some grace. How many of you have ever had somebody that you were at odds with, and then over time you befriended them, and now you're actually pretty close? The reality is that you can be at odds with somebody, but if you will lean in, have empathy, refuse to be offended, you can turn an enemy into a friend. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says, love overlooks the wrongs that others do. When we refuse to be offended, that's love in action, because we're saying, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you better than you deserve. And doesn't that sound like Jesus? Okay, number two, if you're taking notes, forgive people immediately. Listen to me. Don't wait for an apology to forgive them. If they are a crazy maker, can I just tell you, most crazy makers are not self-aware, meaning they don't know how what they're saying is making people feel. They don't know how what they are saying or what they're doing is affecting the room. So most likely, they don't even know that they offended you. And so what happens is we'll hold on to a hurt that they're not even aware of. They're taking up our own mental space, our own energy, our own focus, and they're not thinking about us. And so what happens is the offense affects us more than it affects them. I've heard it this way. Resentment and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Can I just tell you? Resentment and unforgiveness will affect you more than it will ever affect them. And so, so decide quickly. I'm going to forgive quickly. I'm going to forgive often. I'm going to forgive regularly, and I'm going to forgive fast. So what happens is you realize, and I'm looking in the mirror here because there it's like every time that I've ever leaned into a conversation where there's been conflict. How many of you ever realize when you've when you've had that talk, you realize we're in the wrong too. Like, we're not perfect. We're not, we're not perfect to work with or work next to. And what happens is this. I, Stephen Covey, who uh, he's a great author, uh, says it like this, because what happens is we hold people accountable for stuff that we've done ourselves. Stephen Covey says, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their behavior. How many of you have ever looked at somebody and said, well, I didn't mean it that way. Or that's not, that's not how I meant it. That wasn't my heart. I never, I never expected that to hurt you. And we'll defend our intentions and overlook our own behavior. And then what do we do with other people? We'll go to other people and go, well, listen, I don't care how you meant it. This is what you did. I don't care what you meant. This is what you said. And it's like, how quickly do we do this? I think the reality is that empathy allows us to look in the mirror of life and realize we're all imperfect. And if we're all imperfect, then shouldn't we lean into grace a little bit easier? Because how much more do I need it? And so um, when we choose to not forgive people, we're forgetting the great gift of God's forgiveness to us. Remember the great gift of God's forgiveness and forgive people immediately. That word right there is actually very important, immediately. Don't sit on it. Don't waste your own time, energy, uh, a mental space on something that they're not even thinking about. Forgive. I'll just say it this way. I don't need an apology. I'm going to forgive. Let's lean into that kind of mentality, that kind of approach. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says it this way. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you remember the lord forgave you so you must forgive others wow number three if you're taking notes this morning be intolerant of gossip refuse to gossip about them You know, when something happens to us that bothers us, isn't it, it's really hard to not get in the car and just call up somebody and say, man, can you believe what they just said to me? Can you just, like, listen to what they said and listen to what they did on the back end and listen to what I'm having to deal with. You want to know what, and like, some of us don't even wait till we get in the car. Some of us are sitting across from our boss on our phone like, you would not believe this joker. We're just texting, right? Isn't it crazy how we long for affirmation when we've been wronged? We long for somebody to come aside and take offense with us. How many of you've ever been like uh seen third party offense? It's like now other people are offended with you at them and they weren't even a part of the thing. They have nothing to do with it and now they're I mean let's be now they're in sin because now they're judging and critical and 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 a little more resentful towards somebody that they may not even know. And so so listen What the Bible says here. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Disregarding another person's faults preserves love. But gossiping about them separates close friends. And listen, you may be here today and maybe you're asking the question, well, what is gossip? I think a good definition of gossip could be explained this way. Sharing information with someone that is not a part of the solution or a part of the problem. So to simply put it, if they weren't there, if they didn't hear it with their own ears, if they didn't see it with their own eyes, if if they didn't experience it with their own presence, and they're not a part of the solution to that problem, they don't even need to know. Because listen, it's incredibly destructive to your workplace or any other setting in life. You can throw in family, you can throw in neighbors, you can throw in any community that you're in, and plus, if we're talking about them, the crazy makers win. Because if we're gossiping about them, now they're also controlling both the conversation and your emotions. So can I just say it this way? Don't give people that don't deserve your time and energy, just don't give it. Just, I'm not going to talk about you. I'm not going to talk to anybody else about you. I'm going to forgive quickly. I'm going to have empathy, and I'm going to be better on the other end because I've practiced these things. Amen? Okay, number four, abstain from arguments. Whew, you got to refuse to argue with crazy makers. And you may think to yourself, I- I've thought this on many occasions, well, if I could just reason with them, if I could just have a conversation, maybe I could win them over. Maybe we could just sit down, have a conversation, clear the air, and we can move forward. But the reality is this. Crazy makers don't come to their position through logic. So logic won't help them arrive at a new conclusion. Because what happens is they get into that behavior through their emotions. Can I just tell you this way? There are people that will make decisions based off of what they feel. And if you always do what feels right, you won't always do what is right. And so there are people who are controlled by their emotions. If they feel angry they act angry. If they feel sad they'll act sad. If they feel excited they'll act excited. If they feel tired they'll act tired. And 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 logic will look at you and say, "Well, you got a job to do. So get in there, you know, put that on the back burner for now and you got responsibilities, you have employees, you have different. so logic doesn't translate. And so What we have to land on is something beyond logic, and that's, I think, this. Understanding that everybody, everyone we work with, has a need to be loved. And to be loved really means to be approved of. And listen to what people do. When they can't get approval, they will settle for attention. When they can't get love, when they can't get approval, they'll settle for attention. And how will they get attention? By baiting you and me and everyone else into an argument, into wasted energy, wasted words that, that really don't even go anywhere. And and they get attention by bothering you and baiting you. And, and and listen, can I just say it this way too? This you will spend a lot of time and energy that you don't need to on social media if you respond to every controversial thing. That can I just tell you that's what that's what people that are posting those things want. And so Thomas Paine said it this way. To argue with a person who has announced the very idea of reason, it's like administering medicine to the dead. It's not going to work. You throw water to the fire by simply walking away. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21 says it this way. Just as charcoal And wood will keep a fire going. A quarrelsome person keeps an argument going. Let me just challenge you. Refuse to argue. Just walk away. Number five, always take the high road. Always take the high road. If I can get the band to kind of come up. If they insult you, I'll challenge you. Treat them with kindness. If they're unloving to you, I want to challenge you. Be loving to them. If they're resentful to you, I want to challenge you. Be forgiving to them. If they're mean to you, I want to challenge you. Be nice to them. You always take the high road. No matter what they do to you, this is the opposite of what we're taught growing up, at least for me. I was taught that when somebody punches you, man, you punch them back. I was taught you don't get mad, you get even. You handle yours. And I think we just got to choose to take the high road. Die to ourselves. Die to the emotion. Throw water on the fire. Because at the end of the day, you cannot control what other people think about you. You can't control what other people say about you. You can't control what other people do about you. But you have 100% control over how you respond. You can be better and respond with grace and respond with love and respond with empathy and respond with compassion and respond with encouragement and respond with a kind word. We can respond instead of react. I just tell you, I may be a pastor, but I'm not off the, like, uh, like the enemy and sin is something that I will have to look at and Be accountable for my own responses as well. I have every week, I have all the opportunities that anybody else will have to get back at people. But it means having to take a position to say, I'm going to choose to continually grow. I'm going to give people what they don't deserve because God didn't give me what I deserved. He gave me grace. I want to read this this morning as we close. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 through 18. Bless those who persecute you. Wow. Bless and do not curse. It's Kind of a theme here. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. I want to read another scripture, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay. Do not do wrong to repay a wrong. And do not insult to repay an insult, but repay with a blessing. Because you yourselves were called to do this so that you might receive a blessing. Can I just say it this way? If anybody showed us how to live with crazy makers, It was Jesus. It's easy to love people that love us back, isn't it? And yet the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You want to know what that means? He loved us before we ever loved him back. He did the hard stuff. He loved a crazy maker. He gave grace when we didn't deserve grace. And while he was being crucified, I love this point. Watch what Jesus said on the cross. Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, would you forgive them? Because they don't even know what they're doing right now. In essence, if God could love crazy makers like us, I think we can love the crazy makers at our job. And we could be an example. And we can be different. And we can live out grace. We can walk out grace. We can live out the things that other people... You know, I love the way that our elder David McMullen says it. He says, you can either meet the standard or you can set the standard. Can I challenge us as a church body? Let's go into our workplace this week. Let's go into our families. Let's go into our neighborhoods and communities. Whatever the standard is, you can identify it. You can evaluate it. You can judge it. Or you can also set a new standard. I'm going to give where it's not deserved. I'm going to love where it's not deserved. I'm going to be kind where it's not deserved.